All right. What's going on, everybody? Zach Morrow here with Boron Capital. Going live today to talk to you guys about everything going on in the crypto world. A ton of craziness, a lot of new, exciting news out. Um, we're going to be covering a lot of the news from a fundamental perspective. It's time to stop trusting the public markets and look to history's first trillionaire on how to build real, lasting wealth. Look, over the past 14 years, we've applied these exact principles in more than 300 plus transactions. Not one single investor has lost money. That trillionaire was King Solomon. We'll be sharing his wisdom on how to build wealth in a way that's translated for the 21st century investor. My name is Blake Templeton, and this is the Solomon Investor Podcast. Man, U.S. has $3.6 billion of Bitcoin currently. Uh, Russia just made a Bitcoin legal. We've got new adoption. We've got huge companies taking crypto on the balance sheet. We've got states coming out saying they want states' rights to be able to um, own, buy, utilize crypto. And so we want to break that all down. And then we want to um, flip to the technicals for you. At the end of the show, Jeff's going to be breaking down the technicals of what's happening in the market right now and um, help you analyze what type of decisions uh, you could be making as far as your allocation here going forward. So, Austin, Jeff, welcome. Good to see you guys' faces and uh, excited to uh, bring some heat for everybody today. Oh, yeah. That was not heat. Okay, we might have to try it again. Um, guys, I think there's some technical <laughs> difficulties um, going on. <laughs> Jeff and Austin, the, the audio was out a little bit. So, I said we we're going to be bringing heat, and then I got um, an an oh yeah so I'm gonna... I, I thought i was waiting for like a handoff or something i'll take it from here though oh, okay so, yeah, yeah bring it up uh, yeah i was waiting for like a layup or something but it's all good so yeah i i'm very bullish on the the kpmg news that just came out i believe it was uh two days ago or three days ago now so kpmg one of the big four accounting firms very conservative uh auditors and tax and all that stuff it, they added uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum to their balance sheet. So for a company like that to do that is one, very bullish, but two, these big four firms, they're, they're battling for, for business there. And like they not only like added Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're preaching, we want to be the leader in DeFi. We want to be the leader in bringing uh, these new companies to Web 3.0. So like it's just one company after the other. It's no huge deal today. Like seeing this, but like it, it's just a, a huge flashing sign that new, a new company after new company day after day is taking off and you, you just got to love to see it. Yeah. One thing that, you know, on KPMG, these are companies that, I mean, they deal with compliance on a massive level, right. Across different countries and things like that. And so to see some, a country that is built in kind of integrated with the financial system, understanding compliance and all the different use cases and things of that nature for them to come in and adopt really means something, you know, cause these are, they're really setting off as industry leaders, like you said. And I think, I think it's important to note, like we're coming out of January. Everybody was looking at January and was like crazy month big pullback and things like that. We're starting to see some of the technicals flip. Jeff's going to cover that, like you said. But um, even after such a rough month, you have lots of news coming out about more and more people uh, coming in, the bull case growing and uh, the adoption continuing. So just like we were visiting about, um, even though there's price fluctuation, we're still seeing the adoption and the utility continue to grow. So yeah, KPMG is, is awesome. Um, before we started, you know, we were talking a little bit about Russia. So, 
Um, Jeff or Austin, you want to jump in real quick on Russia. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll take this one again if you want. So Russia has had a whole one complete 180 this week, which is awesome. So at first they're debating of banning crypto and uh, like preventing the innovation in the country. And this is a country with a lot of adoption, uh, a big mining uh, presence already. So they went from thinking about banning it to now treating it as a currency. So it's, it's legally recognized and, and that's a huge sign. Russia obviously is a monster country, like, and the the fact that they're opening their arms to crypto, like, even if it is to kind of like get away from the U.S. dollar, it's it's really pushing the the crypto portion, and got to be bullish about that as well. Yeah. So so as supporters of crypto, as investors, obviously, you know, uh, people watching the show, we got a lot of investors, obviously watching. Um, for those of you investors out there. You know, this type of adoption, seeing a country like Russia, like Austin mentioned, you know, I think it's they're the third largest mining operation in the entire world. Um, I think they've got around like 12 million uh, citizens actually own uh, crypto. So it's a, it's a large adoption over there. And now them recognizing as a currency um, really opens up the door for it to be utilized in a significantly larger manner. So you have more adoption, more utilization and um, opens up the doors. Whereas before it was looking at being illegal. Now you've got their, their central bank and um, everybody coming on, on board saying, we're going to streamline the system. We're going to um, actually be licensing and um, working to create systems for intermediaries, like, you know, different banking systems and things like that to be able to recognize this and start moving it. And um, that just speeds things up. Uh, a ton. So um, Russia was pretty crazy. That that was that was interesting news. And um, now I think that with Russia doing that, kind of the question that everybody has to ask is now like, what's the U.S. going to do, right? Because you know it is a, it is a standoff power of like retaining strength in the dollar. How they could potentially use other things whenever they trade. You know, obviously some some friendly allies over there with China. You know, and people looking at different options. So I think the U.S. is really in an interesting position right now where. This kind of forces them to speed up their hand a little bit to decide what they're going to want to do. Uh, from a federal standpoint, um, the U.S. has been uh, more or less like we want to tax it, we want to regulate it. But as far as their participation, they haven't really shown what direction they're going to go. But um, now with this happening with Russia and what happened with the recent recovery, the U.S. actually has roughly $3.6 billion in Bitcoin that it has a decision to make with. And so, you know, um, Jeff, you kind of brought this one up earlier. So I'll let you kind of jump in and kind of talk on this one for a second, and then we can talk more about this. But um, for those of you, for those that haven't heard about this recovery, um, why don't you share a little bit about it? Yeah, so the U.S. recovered uh, some Bitcoin from hackers uh, all the way back. Was it in 16, Austin? 2016 yeah. when it was hacked? 16. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, they finally, and actually the, the, the female that, uh, is they actually hacked the Bitcoin is like been very, I think she was verified on Twitter posts a lot on, uh, on TikTok, and she posts, she has rap songs on YouTube and they're like ultra ridiculous. Like she's uh, has done a very good job at embarrassing herself. So everyone's <laughs> making like a ton of memes right now on, uh, on her, uh, you know, being like, if, if this person can hack $3.6 billion of Bitcoin, you can do anything. There's like all these hilarious <laughs> memes. Um, 
And yeah, they just recovered that because she was storing it. I mean, I think there was one other, one other person involved in it as well, but they're storing it in, in the cloud and Dropbox. And, uh, apparently the, the feds went in and, and, um, secured their, their private keys and pulled the Bitcoin. And that just goes to show that like, it's really important to have proper security and not be storing something such as your private keys through, you know, a cloud services, uh, really, really important to secure that the proper way, you know, use a custodian. If you have millions and millions of dollars, um, you know, and if you have seed phrases like on MetaMask wallets and things, you need to be writing them down on an actual piece of paper, maybe even ingrain them into a, 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 you know, like a metal sheet, like a card. There's actually metal cards that you can ingrain the things in, in case there was a fire or something stored in a safe, all of that, uh, Good stuff. So yeah, that just goes to show that you can easily lose your crypto if you are not uh, securing it safely. But that was a, that was the biggest hack I think we've ever seen, right? I believe it was the yeah. biggest one. Yeah. So a little bit more details on it. Like, yeah, it could be argued it's the biggest one now at today's value. But when the yeah. coins were stolen, I think there were like thirty thousand coin. Oh, I think the total value no, so, no, seventy-one million. So at the yes. time it was stolen, it was worth 71 million and now it's 3.6 billion. Yeah. Exactly. And what Bifinex did is they paid out the, the, the stolen funds and like US dollar value at that time. So that's the kind of what the government gets to decide now. Like, all right, we got billions. You only lost your customers millions and you paid them back. And we, the government's maybe thinking, we know Bitcoin's amazing. Like we're going to try to hold... <laughs> as much of this as we can. So it's now we're going to see a battle between Bitfinex and they're definitely going to be suing the, the government to try to get a hundred percent of those Bitcoin back. And the, and the government's going to argue, Hey, it's us dollar value at the time, blah, blah, blah. But I, I don't know. I'm not, and like, think about it as if you get your car stolen and the government finds it, like they should give it back to you. But that's right. It's a, it's like, you, it's, it's going to be a moral like uh, battle for sure kind of more interesting you know for those who are you know completely unaware of what happened so there was a hack on an exchange from bitfinex years back the bitcoin was stolen it's appreciated in value like crazy now the u.s has recovered so i think there's really there's two stories we're going to circle back to obviously the u.s's decision um adoption and things like that but um you know jeff mentioned security we obviously want to be as far as security we actually did a full video on that if um if you haven't seen that go back I recorded that one last week on securing your crypto. But um, I think one of the other stories here is um, understanding what um, what the U.S. is going to do and then understanding the recovery process. you got so many people that still think, you know, Bitcoin or crypto is this sort of like shadowy place where, you know, criminals are you know running rampant. And it's just not the case. Like, what happens is in the blockchain, this ledger verifies every transaction historically can be seen, viewed at any one time. So what the, what the feds had to do was just go in and follow the, the trail and the trail is there and it exists, right? So it's actually much simpler. I think there's probably a lot more criminal enterprise that's working through fiat who's not traceable. So the US dollar or any other fiat, whereas Bitcoin or other cryptos is, is fully traceable. So from a security standpoint, you're seeing now the government is actually um, getting to the point where it can make these recoveries. It can help protect. It is going to be able to you know, look into these things. And so I think that's a, 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 a huge net positive for people to understand that like 
the, the lies and the things that people have shared about how Bitcoin is just this like, you know, you know, currency for criminals. I mean, that thing, it, it should be dead and gone. It should have been dead and gone years ago. But um, this is just one of those things that um, I think people need to understand it's from a security perspective, from a from a, a transparency perspective, very important. But, you know, like Asa was saying, the U.S. now has a decision to make. It's got this, you know, three point six billion. Technically, Bitfinex, who uh, lost the money, um, they had already made their investors whole. So their investors have been paid back. But that Bitcoin belongs to Bitfinex and their investors. So, you know, now we're going to see what's going to happen. Is the U.S. going to give it back? Are they going to use this as their initial investment? I think that regardless, of, I, I, I have, I'm with Austin here. I think it belongs to Bitfinex and it should go back to the company and, and to the investors there. Um, but regardless of whether it goes back or not, I think that um, the government should be buying Bitcoin. Yeah, here, here's my simple take on, and an easy way to, to, to see if this is something extremely bullish because it's a, it's a forced decision for the U.S. here. So we got to, one, understand they're going to fight to keep this coin. It doesn't matter whether it was Bitcoin or U.S. dollar or anything. They're going to try to keep the assets just because that's just how the government works. But the second thing is... If they do, in fact, are like if they're in fact able to keep these coins, are they going to sell it on the market or are they going to keep it? Because if they yeah. decided that they're going to keep that Bitcoin, boom, like that <laughs> means the US values like Bitcoin more than their own currency and they are holding it. And I, yeah. I can't wait to Good see point. what happens. Like, yeah. And um, that kind of, yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. I wonder, I'm sure it'll be a long process. Um, we'll see. But over time, you're going to get to see that play out. Um, but Without having to wait on the federal government, you know, a couple other points was that there's a lot happening at the state level right now when it comes to crypto. So you've got a guy named Jason Powell from Tennessee. He came out, he's put a bill forward up to the state, basically saying we want to evoke the 10th Amendment, which gives the states rights to choose and not have to wait on the federal government to make their decisions of how they're going to handle these things. So he's wanting to be able to use you know, Bitcoin, NFTs, bring those on the balance sheets of the state, things like that. You've got um, and we, we don't need to stay on this too long, but you've got Arizona who's trying to put a bill forward to, to make uh, Bitcoin legal uh, tender there in the state. Florida's obviously super bullish on crypto. Um, you know, Jeff does a lot actually with the mayor of Miami. And um, I know you've, you've obviously consulted with him quite a few times. What's going on down in Miami and Florida right now? I mean, yeah, they have. I literally just ran into the mayor like. 45 minutes ago. So <laughs> I literally just bumped into him and shook his hand and he's like, what's up, Jeff? I'm like, what's up? He was at the mall for some reason. I was shooting uh, content out there. It's like right around the corner from the office. But um, I mean, yeah, they have like a, a cryptocurrency task force. It sounds like it's a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing. They're trying to get um, Bitcoin and crypto just in general implemented more in the city. And they're already, you know, with the Miami coin, they're already going to be dispersing Bitcoin to residents of Miami. So like, yeah, it's the, he is so he's done wonders for the city and for crypto. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they have a bill. I, I haven't seen a bill for it to be legal tender, but I know that the, it's about the uh, most bullish city in the U.S. I'm surprised they haven't submitted a, a request for it. But the thing is, like, even if they do, how is that? That's not going to matter because the Federal Reserve is not going to be OK with people not paying tax when they're using Bitcoin to buy coffee or using Bitcoin to buy a car 
you know, that's like, they're going to have a realized capital gain or loss. And there, there's no way the fed's going to be like, Oh yeah, Arizona, you're okay. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that that really matters until there's, you know, consent from the fed too. Uh, you know, I, maybe there's a way around it that I'm not aware of, but for tax purposes, at least I don't see it getting around the tax, but it is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kentucky's making steps that direction. Like we said, Tennessee, Arizona, Florida. I know the governor is well down in Florida. Uh, Ron DeSantis is obviously um, one who seems to be in favor. We've actually got a lot out in Texas as well. I mean, there's a lot of mining coming out to Texas. You've got a lot of different things happening, you know, down at the Capitol, down through the uh, the state government here as well. So very, very interesting. So, um, all right, let's wrap up on kind of some of the news. It's kind of get down. I'm sure everybody's like ready to uh, actually look at the charts, look at the technicals. So let's flip it over to that. And um, I think there's been some major moves here recently. Some indicators that we've been waiting for have come around the corner. So uh, why don't you share those out for us, Jeff? Yeah, I actually just need you to help me share the screen there. I think we've got some security. Oh, oh now now we're going back uh new tech. You got to get the seed phrase here. Come on. That's it. All right, coming Can't your way. You get hacked. Sweet. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean a few things we won't do a, a massive uh <clears throat> deep dive, but we did have some really bullish price action, obviously, recently. I mean, we, we had a move that was pretty significant all the way up to today, you know, about a 30% move. And what happened was we broke a really long-term downtrend in the RSI all the way starting. Uh, this started all the way back in October 18th. So since then, we've seen the strength. So the RSI is a relative strength index. It just shows the strength of whatever asset you're looking at. And when it's when the RSI comes, especially below 30, it's considered oversold. And when it goes above 70, it's considered overbought. So we actually hopped below the uh, down to like, what was it? 21. And that was the lowest we've been at all the way since back in COVID, during the COVID crash, all the way back in 2020. So we are actually mo- more oversold than any time since COVID which was a, a big deal. And we've then sent, since seen a pretty large bounce. And when you see an RSI, which just literally looks like vertical, uh, it's pretty, pretty powerful. Last time we saw the RSI with that uh, intensive a move, we went up, you know, 130%. Um, another few things I like to look at just moving averages, even on like a shorter time frame, um, the 50 in the 200. If you look at these moving averages, uh, especially during out this this entire bull market, um, what has happened is when you have a cross above, so the shorter term moving average, which is the 50, crosses above the 200 day moving average. We'll go back all the way to the beginning of really the cycle. You can see we crossed. When was this? All the way back at October 8th of 2020, we crossed and stayed all the way up. We had one really big volatile move that took us over just briefly. But we stayed all the way up until the very top of the market. Then we obviously crossed below. That's a bearish sign. We fell 55%. We crossed above, held it almost the entire time, except for that big correction. And then once again, held it all the way to uh, 69K. And then we crossed below, held it all the way down. And now we have a huge cross upwards again. So it's just showing there's a lot of short-term momentum and it's likely to take us uh, much higher uh, just based on, you know, historicals on, on uh, these 
different moving averages. So overall, I mean, short term looking pretty bullish. We also like to see just like on chain, um, you know, the the open interest, which is like the, the amount of derivatives in the market, it's not exponentially high. It's actually been kind of in a downtrend, as you can see, since uh, the high, I think it was at, yeah, at 69K. You can see this is the high, we've come down, but now we're starting to bounce from that uh, recent low here. And what we like to see is not so much, you know, how much open interest is in the market, but how healthy is the, is the open interest, <clears throat> which you can identify from the funding rate. So the funding rate is just, you know, if there's more people going short in the market, that means the shorts have to pay the longs of funding fee. And that's what you'll see red here. So it's more people here have been betting on the market going down. You can see just how much green there was when we were at the beginning of this, um, you know, exponential phase in the bull market in, in 20, towards the end of 2020. And then we had a huge correction. We went more green, we went to all time highs. Then we've come through and what we were looking for is the, the thing that we were worried about is almost this entire time, it was still green, which means that there were still people betting on the market going up with leverage. And that also means that there, it, there hasn't been that liquidation event yet. We usually like to see like a, a strong liquidation event where the, all of a sudden this green will turn red and there's a lot of long liquidations, which brings a funding rate negative. And that can help build more of a foundation for the spot market so that the, when more derivatives do enter the market and open interest goes up, it's healthy. And you can then build a base and a foundation to then launch from. And we have seen some, some nice uh, you know, negative funding, in, as you can see with this red right here. So that's something uh, we like to look at. And then also, you know, just on a more longer term uh, perspective, I guess we'll look at long-term holders real quick. They are definitely confused. <laughs> Typically, you see long-term holders like selling all the way through really strong price action, which they did. And then they start to accumulate on the back end when price is going down, which we saw. But now since breaking 69K, you can see that they're quite confused. You know, they're selling, then they're buying, and then they're selling. So, you know, people are, are definitely uncertain right now in the market and it shows and it reflects in a lot of uh, on-chain metrics. And uh, another strong thing that I just like to look at is just like, you know, especially over the last, I mean, the last two years has been pretty incredible in the amount of Bitcoin that's been moving off of exchanges. Let me actually take you uh, way back to, I'll take you way back to 20, we'll go to 2015 so you can really see what I'm talking about. But this was, this is pretty exceptional as far as the amount of uh, people moving Bitcoin off of exchanges into cold wallets. Like, look how much red there is here. That just shows like people were moving it in a place where uh, it cannot be sold. That's where the hackers should have moved their Bitcoin is to uh, a cold wallet. And uh, what what uh, happens is like anytime there's more Bitcoin moving off of exchanges, it's just a bullish sign because it can't be sold quickly. And that's what we like to see. This is more of like a longer term fundamental type of approach to analyzing like price action. And just it also shows the conviction of the market when more people are pulling Bitcoin off of exchanges they're doing that for a reason to, you know, hold it in a safer place and in a place they don't necessarily need to sell it. So, you know, over the last year and a half, and what that has re resulted in is, um, let's see, where is the illiquid supply right here? Is continuous all-time highs in the illiquid supply, which is this orange line. So we love to see that continually trending up. That means that people are continually pulling Bitcoin into a place where it is illiquid 
And uh, obviously that's pretty bullish, especially long-term for price action. And I guess we'll kind of, um, I'll kind of summarize too. What the cool thing is when the, this is what like intelligent investors look for. I remember Jeff Bezos saying this about his, uh, his stock when after the tech bubble, he was like, so the, the price of Amazon was going way down, right? Because everything was selling off. But he was like, meanwhile, our fundamentals and our financials were so strong and they continually to rise. And that's exactly what's happening like with Bitcoin right now. It's like, it's going down in price, but the fundamentals are the most bullish thing we've ever, I mean, they're exponentially more bullish than what we've ever seen, especially over the last, you know, 10, it's just started to have this news about public companies buying it. Um, you know, the legal, legal tender actually happening in uh, El Salvador, and all this started to happen in the last 12, you know, 12 to 15 months, which is a really, really big deal. And when you see price going down and fundamentals uh, are strong and exponentially growing, that's obviously a recipe for great price appreciation over long periods of time. So honestly, I love to see it. I hope we see a little bit more red, would love to accumulate even more. Awesome, man. Thanks for breaking that down. Austin, got anything to add to that? Uh, I think you said it pretty well. Um, yeah. I, so for me, I was looking at a 44,500 on Bitcoin to break, which we've had a multiple taps above it's fighting right around there. And, and the reason being is that is the first higher high we've had on a larger time frame. Go to Jeff, go to like a, a three day chart or something. So if you, if you go in on the short downtrend we're on, you can see lower lows and lower highs the entire way down. And just now we finally broke that high right there at that 44,500. Yeah. 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 We were waiting for yeah. this to break. And then I was waiting for those moving averages to cross. And that happened, I think yesterday, actually. So when they officially, I mean, they crossed a little bit earlier, but then like price action was below that. And when we had a confirmation of, of the, the cross and then breaking that price action, and then you're looking at, quite a few other things too. We feel pretty confident that we are starting to, the trend is being reversed. Yeah. So we yeah. were, we were definitely a little bit more cautious like five days ago, but today as, as you know, the past two days have given us a lot more confidence that the trend is reversing. Yep. It, it initially hit that 44,500 rejected and broke above it pretty quickly. It is trading down a little bit right now. Today was a wacky day in the market with the inflation numbers but uh, I'm a buyer at like 42,400 and lower to for if we get down there for another bounce higher. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of on that point, inflation numbers came out, what was it seven and a half percent? It's like the highest in 40 years or something. Yep. So okay. much for transitory. <laughs> transitory. <laughs> yeah. Basically there wasn't going to be inflation. Then inflation was transitory. And now you, you, there has literally been people on the news saying, stop complaining about inflation. Interesting. That's, that's interesting. So unapologetic about the inflation out there. Um, I think everybody can see it, uh, no doubt about it. So anyways, yeah, inflation has been crazy. So <clears throat> yeah, why don't we wrap up there? I think it's been really good. Um, we appreciate all you guys watching, everybody tuning in. Um, any questions you have, leave them down in the comments below. We get together every single Thursday 
at 5.30 Eastern to go live with you guys and share uh, more on what's happening in the markets. If you got questions even below, if you want to get connected more with what we do, or you're interested in more education, more direct help, we've got an inner circle. Um, you can text us to get the information or there's links down in the description. Um, yeah, just go down in the description. You'll be able to find um, the stuff there. And then if you're an accredited investor and you're interested in working directly with us, we have hedge fund opportunities and uh, we manage a fund where we take care of an actively managed index inside the crypto space. So if you're looking to have allocation and exposure into the crypto markets, which we believe everybody should be considering at this time, uh, reach out down on the links below, connect with us. And we'll get with you from there. So appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure to uh, leave your comments, like, subscribe. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, guys, here comes the thanks and the shout outs. We want to thank everyone that leaves reviews and the written reviews on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms. Just know they mean the world to us. If you've taken the 30 to 60 seconds, you know, extra seconds to show love and to give context of why this has been worthwhile for you and why this podcast has helped you, we thank you. We're going to give a couple shout outs of our favorite reviews each podcast. So please give us some love with a five-star review and thank you for joining the Solomon Investor Revolution.